Michigan Liberation is a statewide network of people and organizations organizing to end the criminalization of black families and communities of color in Michigan. We envision a state without mass incarceration, mass policing, and punishment. We envision a state with the best public education in the nation, single-payer health care, and thriving black and brown communities. Here on the Respect the Rules podcast, we will lift up the stories and experiences of those impacted by mass incarceration, collective ties to the criminal legal system, and the frontline efforts to end mass incarceration. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Michigan Liberations Respect the Roots podcast. Make sure to check us out on Xfinity, oh, Xfinity Cable. I always make that mistake. You guys know that. Wild Cable and also podcast platforms, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Pandora. Also, remember to check us out on social media at My Liberation. Well, today, this is the second part. Um, I'm here with Kate Bolton. Hey, Kate, how you doing? She's still she didn't hang up from me. She didn't leave me. No. We were having a great little conversation, but Kate was more so schooling us about this, you know, oh my gosh, I don't even know where to begin. First of all, Kate, before I get started, before we were going to talk about the um, overdose um, crisis that is going on, but I want to, first of all, Kate is an amazing, She her bio is like amazing. She's graduated from Harvard, U of M, whoop, whoop, you know. <laughs> champion. Okay. What are all that good stuff? I mean, she is the senior legal technical advisor at Vital Strategies Overdose Prevention Program. And so she's an amazing legal and public health professional. So it, it made sense just to have you come back for part two, Kate. And we, we talked about some good stuff in part one. And Kate, thank you so much. Thank you so much. But please, can you go over like you did in the first part? The overdose statistics and please because i think this is so critical and so crucial and then kind of tell us about vital strategies and disparities that you're seeing in this work yeah of course and thank you so much uh i'm grateful to be here for part two and continue our conversation uh it is so um exciting to be able to talk about this with you and i'm just deeply appreciative but yeah to kick us off you know we can just sort of paint a picture of the, the sort of public health emergency that we're in the midst of. Uh, and, you know, I call it emergency, we often call it a crisis, but the, the fact of the matter is, you know, more than 100,000 people died of overdose in 2021 for the first time. And so this is, you know, a, a really um, disturbing and tragic milestone. Uh, in terms of the increasing overdose that we've been seeing for for some years in the United States. Uh, and, you know, part of that is the COVID pandemic um, intensifying uh, overdose rates in many places in the United States. Um, that's, you know, partly because of, um, you know, disruptions in services and supports uh, for people in need of treatment or harm reduction services. Also, because of um, you know people experiencing more isolation during the pandemic, and so you know I can see that. Um, so you know we're we're still in the midst of this crisis, and you know Michigan uh, has experienced similar trends. And so in 2021, 
Uh, over 3,000 people died of overdose in the state of Michigan. You know, that's an average of over two people every hour. Uh, and, you know, we are in dire need of different kinds of approaches to the overdose crisis than we have seen historically. Uh, historically, we've, we've largely seen uh, an approach grounded in criminalization and punishment. And I know we'll talk more about that, but um, the other important thing to understand about the overdose crisis as it is today um, is the profound racial disparities that we see in terms of who is affected uh, by the overdose crisis. So uh, from 2019 to 2020, uh, drug overdose rates increased by 44% among Black people and 39% among Indigenous folks in the U.S. Uh, in Michigan, uh, overdose rates are higher among uh, Black Michiganders. And, you know, there are um, different reasons for this. Um, I think one important factor is, of course, the role of criminalization. So uh, communities of color uh, disproportionately targeted and harmed across the criminal legal continuum, arrest, incarceration, uh, criminal justice supervision, you know, and that intensifies um, vulnerability to overdose and other poor health outcomes. Another factor is, um, you know, uh, disparities in access to treatment and other services. So, you know, people of color um, in many communities are less likely to access evidence-based treatment um, that we know uh, can help reduce risk of overdose. And so, you know, these different factors lead to um, the widening disparities that we see in terms of who is impacted by overdose. Wow, wow. So, hey, with that, it kind of leads us into the Care Not Criminalization campaign, Michigan Liberation, you know, um, part, you know, partner with Vital Strategies, and you guys definitely came in and showed us the ropes and support has been, have been supporting us from the beginning. Um, and what are some of the important priorities and demands that emerged from the Care Not Criminalization agenda? I know I saw like listening sessions and so forth, but what are some other things that took place? Yeah, so, you know, the the agenda emerged from this, this fantastic process of community listening sessions in Macomb, Oakland, and Kalamazoo counties. And so, you know, this, this was people out in the community hearing directly uh, from folks about, you know, the problems that they're seeing and the solutions that they want to see to those problems. And so that feedback then informed the development of this um, incredible agenda. Um, and, you know, I think it's helpful to, to describe the, the sort of guiding principles for the care not criminalization agenda. Uh, and so, um, you know, it's holistic in terms of sort of recognizing the whole person uh, needs of people affected by um, substance use overdose in these different uh, systems. Um, it is grounded in harm reduction. And I know we talked a lot about harm reduction in the, the last session, yeah. uh, but this is key uh, and um, critical to vital strategies approach and philosophy. Um, the uh, 
the agenda focuses on healing uh, rather than incarceration and punishment. Um, you know, it's uh, deep. That's yes, deep. it is. It is. And finally, uh, there is a need to destigmatize the way we think about, talk about, respond to people who use drugs. Uh, you know, and we know stigma. Um, stigma can kill it. Uh, it affects responses to people who use drugs and healthcare, the criminal legal system, um, families. Um, and so it's, it's an important element to consider as well. Um, and, you know, some of the strategies, and I, I won't um, go over them all, because it's a big agenda, and it has a lot of incredible content in it. But um, I think some that I would highlight um, are uh, the demand to transform the role of policing to really build out um, non-police uh, response for substance use and, and mental health crises. So um, instead of, you know, the police arriving uh, and all of the attendant risks of uh, negative um, outcomes from that, uh, you know, including lethal encounters um, yes. with people with mental illness uh, or otherwise struggling, um, non-police responders um, being available in that situation. Um, and so we've seen these kinds of models cropping up in different places across the U.S., but the Care Not Crime agenda said, you know, this is something we want to see in Michigan. Um, mm -hmm. Some other priorities that I think are important are um, the creation and funding of community resources. So, you know, syringe service programs where people can access uh, sterile syringes and other um, supplies to protect themselves and promote health, uh, overdose prevention sites, uh, and trauma-informed mental health and substance use services. Uh, the Care Not Crime agenda also calls out the harms of discrimination against people who use drugs and people with substance use disorder. Um, and of course, you know, as we've talked about a lot, um, and as the agenda tells us, uh, right. decriminalization is an important demand. So decriminalization of drug use, decriminalization of sex work, paraphernalia. Um, and so we know that you know, these kinds of changes in Michigan would be absolutely transformative. Um, and, you know, I know that the work continues at Michigan Live. Um, and, you know, it's exciting to imagine uh, what can come next for the organization as it, uh, you know, carries forward the, the efforts around this agenda. Wow. You said a lot, Kate. That, that's good. You know, I, for those of you who are listening, I'm talking to Kate Bolton from Vital Strategies and she, Kate, you know, there was a um, event last week at down at Wayne State that dealt with alternatives to policing. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm, I'm, and that was one of the things, calling people that are not, just, let's just say it, when you have a crisis, when you have people that are going through an episode, not calling the police. But a lot of people, they don't know this. Lack mm -hmm. of knowledge, like I said in the first part. You know, and this is awesome that we're 
partnering together through care not criminalization and vital strategies to come up with these alternatives you know and it kind of leads me into my next little subtopic i want to talk about as far as engaging the community mobilizing communities but also but mainly as it deals to identifying needs and also talking about like opiate you know settlement funds mm -hmm. you know how they're mm -hmm. being used and getting into the more so that because like i mentioned offline i've been to the listening sessions and they're great and that's probably another uh podcast episode because i would love to go deep into that but i know from the type of position that you have you could definitely probably speak on that like mm -hmm. the opiate settlement funds and how they're being used and kind of like the exciting directions for this type of work mm -hmm. i guess yeah absolutely i mean i think the the, the opiate settlement funds are a sort of a great example to use when thinking about um, ways in which a community can uh, mobilize around community priorities, community needs, and what uh, you know people on the ground want to see in terms of uh, solutions. So, you know, uh, I think a lot of folks know that you know money is coming from opioid settlements and it's very kind of complicated legal landscape but there's you know the big settlement the distributor settlement um and you know from that settlement i think around um maybe 775 to 800 million dollars will be coming to michigan over the next 18 years so you know significant resources intended um, to address the opioid crisis, opioid overdose crisis. Uh, and so that, of course, raises the question, well, you know, how will Michigan use this money? Exactly. Uh, mm -hmm. How are we going to, Kate, come on, seven, eight hundred million. Who, how is this going to be itemized out? You know, who's going to get what? Mm -hmm. You know, who's going to make sure that it's, it's spent properly? Yeah, I mean, I think that's <laughs> sorry about that. That's the 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 eight hundred million dollar question. Um, so, I think um, it's you know there's there's a whole lot of activity in this space right now. Um, a lot of resource creation. Um, you know, something Vital Strategies is thinking a lot about is how do we how do we demystify this whole opioid settlement thing for people in the community. Um, right. So some, you know, you may be, you know, in Michigan, maybe you work in this space, maybe you don't, but you're interested in it. Um, and so, you know, you know, money is coming, but you don't know sort of how, when, how is it going to be divvied up between the state and localities? What can it be spent on? What are the leverage points for sort of watching the process? Um, right. and for trying to promote accountability and transparency and you know what what do you do like what is do you show up to meetings do you um do you write um grant proposals some some states have like portals where you can actually uh submit uh proposals for uh funding so it really it really looks different from state to state, and um, I think it's a real opportunity in Michigan as elsewhere um, for folks in community to to watch um, and engage 
around how that funding is used and really ensure that we go to the things that we know work, um, harm reduction. Um, yes. You know, uh, really ensuring that funds are used in ways that are mindful of, uh, you know, folks who are disproportionately impacted by overdose. So that includes uh, BIPOC communities, but also people entangled in the criminal legal system. Uh, and, uh, you know, really being intentional about how those those folks are not left behind um, as the state and localities figure out, you know, the way that this money will be used. Right. Now, offline, Kate, we talked about your your role, your position. And I think this is key because I find it so interesting. Cool. Your title is Senior Legal Technical Advisor to the Vital Strategies Overdose Prevention Program. Can you just give us a little idea what that means? Everybody, I'm talking to Kate from Vital Strategies. If you're having a senior moment, you forgot. Kate from Vital Strategies, she's a single Senior, not single. Sorry, Kate. I'm single. <laughs> Senior legal technical advisor. What does that mean? Hey, because I know I feel some legal stuff coming up here. Gotta. We've been talking about doing all this work, and I'm sure there's some legal parameters. That's right. Yes, and it is a mouthful, so um, I get it. But the way I would put it is, I am a public health lawyer who really focuses on the intersection between criminalization and health. So criminalization and health. That's right. And how are they interacting? Um, So, you know, over the past seven years, I've worked on, um, you know, the sexual and reproductive health and rights of sex workers. Uh, I worked Mm -hmm. for some time on HIV criminalization and of course, more recently at Vital Strategies, um, I focus on drug policy, especially drug policy in the criminal legal system. So, you know, in terms of what a senior legal technical advisor is, uh, it means that I lead the overdose prevention program's legal team. And so that's me and my colleague, Derek Carr. Shout him out. I know we like shout outs. Yes. Uh, yes. So, The two of us as the legal team uh, provide uh, legal and policy support um, to VITALS uh, efforts across states. So, you know, we talked about in the last session, we work in seven different states, including Michigan. So, you know, we provide uh, support and guidance to the VITAL strategies teams who work in the different states, uh, but also our partners. So that could include government partners, it could include community-based organizations. And, you know, some examples of how that might look are, um, you know, providing some interpretation and guidance on uh, naloxone access law for a harm reduction program that wants to give naloxone out to community members. So, you know, what are the ins and outs of, distributing naloxone legally in state X. Um, Or, you know, maybe a state wants to um, overhaul its regulations on harm reduction programs and how they operate. So the legal team might provide some technical assistance and support on, uh, you know, the state's uh, 
revising of its regulations to be more promotive of, of uh, health and a harm reduction approach. Wow. Um, and the last thing, yeah, yeah, really exciting. Uh, go yeah. ahead. No, I was wondering, no, I was getting excited. Like, do you also take play a role in also making, helping people like, let's say here in our criminalization, because I'm mm -hmm. part of Michigan Liberation, mm -hmm. come up with ways on how to change and revise certain legal, you know, parameters to, so you can maybe be effective, more effective in your communities, you know, like maybe, you know, maybe I'm not saying the right legal lingo, but legal lingo, but of, you know, is, is that kind of like part of it too? Kind of making sure, you know, like, for example, if I want to pass out, you know, have Narcan uh, vending machines and maybe that's not, you know, um, legal right now in my area or my state, Mm -hmm. maybe working to get that change, that law change? Is that kind of like to what you work on? Yeah, I mean, we help people understand the sort of legal landscape, legal and policy landscape. Um, and just to be just to be clear, there are lots of vending machines in Michigan, um, but we do help, you know, community, community advocates and organizations understand um, what are the barriers to overdose prevention mm -hmm. and harm reduction. And, um, you know, we don't lobby, but we do help people understand that landscape, okay. what the barriers are, and, you know, strategies to address those barriers. I got you. That's so, I'm so glad you made that clear, you know, to address the barriers, but not necessarily lobby, do lobby. Mm -hmm. Okay, right. that's good to know. Cause some people get a little confused and you know, um, but that's good to know. That's good to know. Cause mm -hmm. like I said, knowledge is power. A lot of people don't know the law. That's mm -hmm. why we have you to help us mm -hmm. because we have good hearts. We have big hearts, you know, in this type of work, but there's, we got to keep in mind, there's certain laws in place that we got to abide by, right? Would you say, okay, kind of like, and I know it's kind of, and I'm sure it's real, a thin line because of the, this type of work, you know, and the connection and correlation. Yeah. And, you know, it's complicated. It's, um, you know, we, you know, in drug policy or people work in harm reduction, you know, you're contending with federal law, state law, local law, local ordinances, and all of those things, you know, interact to create this sort of, um, space that you have to pursue different kinds of strategies um and so um understanding that variation um and kind of that universe for lack of a better word mm -hmm. can be really key um and um so we try to to provide that support um uh, and i want to say to you know both in terms of vital strategies as a funder, because we of course um, provide grants and then we provide this technical assistance. So we provide legal TA, but we also have our award-winning uh, communications team. And I know you know Tony. Uh, Shout out to also, Tony. Yes, that's <laughs> right. And uh, we have uh, a sort of data and epidemiology uh, team member who provides that kind of TA. But for both our grant making and our TA, we really strive to run alongside. And so, you know, for funding an organization, you know, whether that's Michigan Liberation or other partners, we want to be a real 
partner and co-conspirator in the work um, and really um, try and have that guide us in terms of our approach. And the same goes for the TA uh, that comes from me and my colleague Derek within the legal team of, um, you know, the, the idea is not to sort of, you know, I tell you what the law is and walk away and good luck with sorting it out. It's, you know, it's really wanting right. to give people capacity um, to interpret this often confusing environment in terms of Absolutely. law and policy. And then, you know, people are then able to devise their own strategies and their own approaches um, for the way forward. So, well, on behalf of Michigan Liberation, Kate, and your team, you guys have done an amazing job. And I'm just not saying that because we're on a podcast. <laughs> but no, I've been through the listening sessions. We've got about three minutes. I told you this is go by so fast. You know, mm -hmm. see, part three in the making. But um, but no, thank you. I've sat in on listening, listening sessions. I was there when Care Not Criminalization put their booklet together, you know. And mm -hmm. now as they're getting ready to build their, you know, their, their other you know, projects, which we'll be probably talking about in another podcast episode, as this money is coming available, you know, and coming with solutions to our um, lovely government here in Michigan to come up with some strategies, you know, or some support, you know, advice, kind of like, hey, we've listened to the people. This is what they're, they saying they need, you know? Mm -hmm. So thank you so, so much, Kate, for your work, everybody, Tony, just everybody on your team. You guys are amazing. That's why I was like, I had to have you guys come on a podcast and talk about this. And it's so many other topics I know we're going to cover. You know, this is just a typical, this is just a, we're just slightly, what, getting started, right? Yeah, you know? yeah. Just the yeah, but yeah. yeah, we've been scratching the surface. And, you know, you're from Michigan, so we love you. Anyway. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, Kate, real quick before we head out. What side are you representing when it comes to Michigan or oh, Metro Detroit area? West side or east side? East side. <laughs> <laughs> She's representing east side. Everybody knows. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're not from Michigan or the metro Detroit area, everybody knows that we're very particular about what side. And it's not so much Detroit. It's just even the east part, like suburbs or whatever. I don't care if it's Rose Point or East Point or Hazel Park or, mm -hmm. I don't know, even some of those other areas out there, you know. But, um... And if you say West, then, you know, we know it's Southfield and all these other, West Bluefield and, yeah. all, and all this other stuff. So I represent the West side. So we, but we still mm -hmm. love each other, but it's so That's funny. Right. <laughs> how you way, you're, you're way in New Mexico and you still know what, what I meant. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I want uh, to talk to you. But no, it's all great love. And it's been a great partnership. So we're so excited, you know, to continue this work. Any food for thought before we head out, before we go on our daily, um, you know, hey, work schedule or whatever, anything you want to say. I just, I want to talk about listening sessions on one podcast episode, if you don't mind. I don't know if you want to sit in on that one, but I'll talk to some of your colleagues, Kate. Anything, you, we got a minute before we wrap it up. Anything you want to say to anybody out there listening or watching? You know, um, I think I would echo what I said before. Of, um, we really um, have the ability to push for change in drug policy and, and in criminalization. And the best way to do that is through engaging community, whether it's listening sessions or other ways, and, and having that drive our efforts. And so 
that's what I'd leave you with. Amen. Amen, Kate. And also make sure you check out Vital Strategies at vitalstrategies.org and then also myliberation.org. If you have any questions, any way you want to get involved, we'll let you know because we are always looking for volunteers. You know, when you're a nonprofit, you're always looking for, you always can find work for you to do. If you very, if you heard something that you like, please reach out to us. But until next time, thank you so much, Kate. You tell Tony on them, tell they're coming next. Everybody's coming. You're <laughs> coming right. back. We have so many different topics to cover in 2023. You know what I mean? Upcoming year. So until next time, everybody, thank you for joining us for another episode of Respect the Roots. And also remember to what? Respect the Roots. Until next time. Thank you. Thank you. Michigan Liberation Education Fund, C3, conducts grassroots organizing, leadership development, and civic engagement activities. Michigan Liberation C4 and Michigan Liberation Action Fund, IE, are sister organizations.